they found that like 95% of people, couples will agree with this statement that women need to have emotional connection in order to want to have sex. Yeah. And have sex in order to feel emotional connection. Welcome to the Growing Pains Podcast, where we embrace the raw, the real, and the honest truth about motherhood, marriage, and everything in between. I'm Christy Payne, a 30-something-year-old new mom and military wife who's in-schooled to be a physical therapist. Ever since becoming a new mom, I've come to realize how much we as moms are struggling in silence and how although we're more connected than ever, we feel so helpless and alone at times. If you're anything like me, I know you can connect with that. That is why I wanted to create a space where women can come to hear authentic stories and get factual information so we can feel like we're not crazy and that we're definitely not alone in our battles. Because we can't do this alone, ladies. We need to embrace the pain so we can be the best possible versions of ourselves. Are you with me? Let's do it. To just start off, um, Dr. Furman, by trade, like, what do you do? So I'm a clinical psychologist. And how long have you been doing this? Oh, gosh. (laughs) A long time, like 25 years, I guess. Oh, wow. And it's crazy because your husband does the same thing as you, right? So that must be, uh, do do psychologists like play mental games with each other? Like (laughs) it must be an interesting relationship. He's a psychologist too. And people will say, oh, you're poor kids, but they're, they're turning out okay. What population of people have you worked with before and who do you work with now? So I've, I've kind of had the gamut around, especially the DOD, the Department of Defense. So I started out at um, the VA. I did my um, internship, which is like a residency that doctors do um, with the VA. And then I worked at, I've worked with Army, Navy, um, and of course, Air Force is who I work with now. And I've spent a lot of time working as a school psychologist position also, which was nice because then I had school hours and uh, summers off with the kids. So I've worked with all kinds of people. <laughs> what kind of issues do you see people coming to you the most with? Right now, I work all with military families. So a lot of the issues do you know, center around military type issues. So a population that moves a lot. So, you know, people are coming in. How do I get settled in? How do I meet people? You know, maybe homesick for where they were before. Then there's, you know, kind of a phase where they are tucked in. And then the next thing you know, they they got to move again. Um, So a lot of stuff around those kind of things. Um, Also, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about this, but, you know, with the active duty member, being gone a lot, you know, the impact that that has on the family. Uh, were, are you military at all? I know your, your sons are in the military, right? But were you when you were a child? Who was active duty. So we are a military family. So we've oh, okay. been for the 20 years and, you know, I had to do all kinds of, that's one reason why I worked with so many different places because when I follow him around the world, trying to, you know, get a job that'll fit. Yeah. So, so do you, do you work with the, the active duty member, like the service member, as well as the, the spouse um, that stays home and doesn't deploy? Do you work with both or just the spouses? Um, both. But as part of the program that um, we use, we are 
focusing a lot with the families. So mm -hmm. I feel blessed to be able to work with the families, especially since I'm kind of a kid person. I get to, you know, hold babies as part of my job. It's awesome. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about like what you do with the families and like if you can say what the program is and, and what the program is about? Yeah. Um, so I work with a program called Preservation of the Force and Family, which is a SOCOM, Special Operations Command initiative. Um, so people who are just in, you know, the regular Air Force or Army or whatever, um, they're starting to have similar type programs across the larger services, but this was um, a program that was started to focus on special operations particularly because the deployment cycle and everything is different than it is in like the larger Air Force. Uh, what does that program consist of? Um, there are a lot of components to it. Um, they tried to set out a program that focuses sort of on the whole person. So I'm part of what's kind of called the psychological pillar. <laughs> um, there's also a physical, like, you know, focus on the physical. So there's, you know, a human performance team that looks at um, exercise and physical therapy and, you know, how to work out safely so you don't injure yourself and things like that. Um, there's a spiritual component. There's chaplains that are assigned to the POTUS teams. Um, and just kind of, again, trying to look at the whole person and also have a um, prevention focus as much as possible. So trying to, you know, look at typical ways that people might have problems and help them before it becomes a problem or take something that you know, is a small concern and do something about it before it becomes really a stumbling block. So, so far, really how I guess I've partaken in the podifism, the really cool events that we get to go to or do, um, like we did a, the cooking class um, at Taste Buds that one time. Oh, yeah. There was that thing at um, Great Wolf Lodge. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to go to that though. And then we had that hammer and stain thing at home um, that I did. That was really cool. So I really like, I, I feel like that program really brings more of a sense of community. That's how, that's what I have gotten from it here. We're really spread out and um, spread out. I guess I'm comparing it to like New Mexico where we used to live, where we would drive like five minutes and we could see our friends. And here it's at least 30 to 40 minutes to drive and see somebody. And so having events like this is really cool. Even now during COVID doing things virtually is really cool because it brings a sense of community. So I kind of wanted to talk about um, deployments. I think Jeff's been on like 12 or 13 deployments now. And there's so many different things that go into the deployment, the before, the during, the after. There's so many like adjustments. And I remember when we first moved to New Mexico, that was our very first duty station. And I had hung out with some wives when we first got there. And I was like this like new Air Force wife, like we just got married. <laughs> and these these wives that I was hanging out with were more seasoned and they were just like complaining about their husbands. They were like, I can't wait till he deploys. Like he's been gone. He's been home for too long. And I'm like, how long has your husband been home? They're like two weeks. And I'm like, these ladies are monsters. Like they don't even love their husbands. What is wrong with them? You know? And then like, as I <laughs> became more seasoned myself, I'm like, 
I love my husband, but I do understand what these women were talking about now. And, and it's, it's so crazy to see the, the growth that has happened and just the things that I've learned throughout this whole process. Like with deployments, there's, there's so many different things that go into it. But when the service member is deployed, what kind of um, issues do you see mostly arising maybe on like the home front or be- between the two, the, the two, the couple? That can vary a lot, but of course, you know, I, I do see, think there's something to the old Murphy's law because if something's going to happen, like your car's going to break down or the basement's going to flood or something, it's going to be, you know, when, when they're gone. Gone. That always seems to be the way it goes. But. For me, I got sick every time Jeff left. Like I had to go to the hospital kind of sick and I was there for days. It Like nothing ever broke. I just got sick and my fever was like 104. It was so crazy. I guess I mainly just asked this question so that if um, there are other military uh, wives particularly listening to this and they might be going through some issue while their husband is deployed, they might maybe feel like they're not so alone if they can hear that um, maybe some some other families have had the same issues. Um, so I guess that's mainly the, the reason why I'm asking this question. Yeah, I think that, you know, it can definitely be a struggle. And like you were saying, I think that, you know, as you become more seasoned, I like that word, as a spouse, you'll kind of begin to see different, different sides of it. And um, people may start out the first few times, you know, they've never maybe been alone, or they haven't been there with the kids you know once kids start coming along and just kind of learning to do things for themselves or learning new skills or whatever Mm -hmm. which kind of scary sometimes but it also can um really build their strength and their resilience because then they like see hey i you know i can handle this by myself and yeah um you know the kids I think military kids tend to be very resilient. Um, they learned that, you know, they can start a new school, a new place, even though, you know, it's probably scary every time, but, you know, they can do it. You know, they can handle a lot more than maybe, you know, kids or families that haven't had that challenge presented to them. Yeah. I, I will say that when, when Jeff has left, I, I have done things that I didn't think that I could, like I was forced to do them. And I think one time in New Mexico, I had changed out the wiring on the back of our dryer. I forget what happened, but uh, I changed out the wiring and I was like, hopefully nothing blows up. And so of course I consulted YouTube and like, you know, follow their directions. And then and then the dryer worked and Jeff was like, are you sure you did this correctly? And like, he had to like, when he came home, he like came and went in the back of the dryer and like checked to make sure I did it. And I was like, yeah, man, like I can rewire a dryer. Like I'm, I'm badass. And there's just so many things that I've, I've been able to do that, that I didn't think I could do. Um, but then I was forced to because I was alone. And so I do, I do think, um, I have gained more a sense of uh, definitely resiliency, but I, I definitely trust myself a lot more and I'm a lot stronger than I thought that I was, or maybe I've just become stronger than I used to be. And so that's kind of my favorite thing about being the military wife, which is funny because I, I fought so hard to not meet a military guy. And that's exactly what I got because I, I didn't, I knew myself and I don't do well alone. I'm, or I didn't used to, I, 
really like needed that person to be there all the time. And I knew a military life could be very lonely. And so it definitely has been lonely at times. And there's been struggles with that, but I've become stronger because of it. And so I fought against what I didn't want. I got it, but I've become stronger because of it. So it's nice, nice to see that growth process. I, I guess I, I asked this question because myself, um, living in Clovis, we were at Cannon Air Force Base, and they probably say this about a lot of bases, but they call it the um, divorce base. <laughs> and I think when we were there, I helped six of my friends through divorces for various reasons, drug problems, infidelity. They just didn't love each other anymore. The This wife didn't want to live in Clovis anymore, which is understandable. And so there, there were a lot of... Um, a lot of things that I, I saw and I, I know people do struggle with that. So I guess I wanted, I, that's why I asked the question. Yeah. And you know, I've seen all those things happen too. Unfortunately, employment and the lifestyle doesn't always have to do with those things. I think that it's an area where, you know, some, some good prevention <laughs> can, uh, pay a lot of dividends of, you know, trying to make sure that when you are together, your marriage is as solid as it can be. Yeah. Uh, If it's a deployment where you can have contact and not all of them you can, but um, to try to keep the little rituals, the little things that you enjoy about your marriage that makes you, you as a couple, Mm -hmm. uh, keep, keep those things going as much as you can and not, um, Kind of just get focused on you know head down mission <laughs> yeah on. you've got to take care of yourselves and each other before the um, service member does deploy how how can the family make it so that it's a smooth transition from getting ready for the deployment to the service member deploying and throwing kids into that could be also a challenge so what what can families do to make that a smoother transition it's really important to have both people be as honest as they can about kind of what would help them because some people you know they want to have this whole big elaborate goodbye and then a big elaborate hello Um, other people um, my husband Ken for one when he was having to be gone it was like you know I want you'd basically to drop me off, like just kiss and ride, like the airport, go on, let's, you know, I don't want to end up getting tearful. It's not going to help you to, you know, be tearful, just, you know, kind of a clean break. Other Mm -hmm. people, you know, that doesn't work for them. So really just kind of talking about, you know, as much as you can, how's how's it going to be when, you know, you go, how, what kind of contact do you want if we have it? Some people like, you know, like a daily email. Other families are like, you know, let's just kind of write down, keep a running note of what's going on so you don't forget, you know, all the details of the kids and you and whatever. Yeah. But when I get back, I want to read that like right before I walk in the door or something. Oh, okay. That's interesting. First day or two. I want to read through all that, but there's just so much with the, when they come back and I know I kind of jumped, (laughs) jumped to the end, but um, that people really need to think about how they want to handle it. And then 
you know, sometimes it may change me, but like, I thought I wanted it like this, but you know, next time let's try that. I, I never really thought about writing everything down. Um, so they can kind of get caught up on life that's happened at home while they've been gone. That, that's really cool. Yeah. I've, I've heard people do all kinds of, uh, creative things to, to deal with it, including with the kids. But, um, I think that one you have to be careful with because sometimes you think they're going to be at home on a certain day and yeah. they're pushed. So if you've made a whole big calendar or countdown or you've taken all the, you know, the kisses out of the jar and then they, okay, they're all gone. Where's that or whatever. So yeah. Sometimes people have to, you know, have some flexibility about some of those kind of countdown things. Yeah. Like this is the month dad's coming home. Yeah. Some, sometime in this month <laughs> or, or mom. I feel like the um, transition back into home life is a lot harder for my personal opinion. And so with that transition, how, how can the husband and wife specifically make that smoother? Um, you kind of touched on that with like the writing down of things that have, have gone in at home. But I know for me, with Jeff, when Jeff is gone, I kind of get into like my own routine where I'm like, I'm going to wake up at this time. I'm going to work out at this time. I'm going to eat whatever I want. And sometimes when he comes home, I'm like having cereal for dinner. And he's like, what about me? I'm like, oh my God, you're here. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. You know? And, and then it's such a, and then I'm like, I don't have the bed to myself anymore. And, and it's just, such, it's such a like strange time. And sometimes I feel like I'm like, you're cramping my style, like being back, you know? And now I feel like one of those like seasoned wives that I met what I thought were monsters. I'm like, they don't love their husbands, but, but it's like, you have to, as a person who's, who's home, you have to, you have to still live life. And so you have to figure out how you're going to do that. And, and so like life doesn't stop just because they're gone. And so like when they come home, I feel like it's, like Miles now is going to be over a year old when he gets back and, and I'm going to have to teach him like, this is how we're feeding him now. And this is how his nighttime routine is. And, and so it's like, it's like, it's just kind of hard now with the kid thrown into it. <laughs> I guess my question is, what are some, just like a few specific things that the husband and the wife can do to make the transition back home a lot easier? Having that plan, but realizing that it it might go sideways because you were right you know the person that's been at home kind of has gotten into a groove and sometimes the person who's coming home is you know kind of expecting it to be the way it was and it may not be so just trying to be as gentle as possible with each other mm -hmm. and you know explain kind of you know this is what's been going on this is maybe why it seems like you know it's so different than when you left um and trying to you know have some time that's date time romance time and everything but not necessarily right away because mm -hmm. probably the, the person coming home is jet lagged um and the family's all excited and there'll be that initial honeymoon, you know, oh, yeah. wonderful, but trying to help the person coming home be like, okay, you know, you know, dad needs to nap. Even fairly little kids can kind of understand about jet lag and that they're really tired and letting them have that decompression time mm -hmm. and not, you know, 
bum rushing them with like, okay, here's all the stuff that needs to be fixed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I made plans for dinner and we're going out for a date and we're, you know, sometimes it's a little bit of, ah. Yeah. <laughs> and just letting, letting them have a little space, but then making sure that the couple time is protected and is important. For me, uh, when Jeff comes back home, he's kind of like ready to go with like the intimate part. And I'm like, I need to get to know you all over again, basically is like how I feel, you know, and for him, it's like so, so easy to kind of get just, just jump right in. But for me, I don't know if it's like a female thing or if it's just me, but I, I'm like, I need to like, can we talk and like, let's get to know each other again. Cause sometimes I feel like he's like a complete stranger um, when he comes back and on some deployments, he has come back kind of not a totally different person and not in a bad way, but he's come back a different person. And so it is kind of like, I'm getting to know somebody, somebody all over again. So I'm not sure if other people have that, I don't want to say issue, but (laughs) Jeff's like, let's go. And I'm like, hold on. I've definitely heard that one before and including, and I think we've, you know, said this on like the retreat marital education kind of thing, but in the um, Gottman studies and, and other studies, they found that like 95% of people, couples will agree with this statement that women need to have emotional connection in order to want to have sex. Yeah. And then have sex in order to feel emotional connection. So that is definitely a man woman thing. That's, that's kind of there all the time, but it, it fits into what you just said that, you know, they're ready to come back and they want to feel connected with you because they, they want to get intimate and then they will feel connected to you again. Whereas women tend to be like, Hey, I kind of <laughs> need that emotional connection to, Oh man, that is so, that's hard (laughs) to find that middle ground. (laughs) Wow. Well, that's good to know that I'm not weird (laughs) or alone. (laughs) So if the, the spouse who's at home is having a hard time while they're active, while their husband or wife is deployed, as far as like dealing with the deployment, dealing with being separated, maybe they're away from their family, maybe they're having a hard time with their kids. What would you suggest that they do if they're just having a really hard time, they're feeling overwhelmed and maybe they're in like a new place and they don't know anybody? What it, What is something that they can do to um, get help? Yeah, I think, you know, some distraction kind of things can be great and like working on a hobby or learning a new skill or doing something for yourself that you wouldn't ordinarily do. A lot of people find that helpful, but that reaching out, even though it's hard and especially if you're new, it's hard. It it is, but knowing that, you know, probably in the same squadron or whatever, where the spouse works that, you know, there are other spouses that are, you know, they're, active duty members probably gone with yours. So they're, they're in the same boat. You guys are in the same boat at home, um, reaching out and, you know, talking to the other spouses. Um, most people find that just comforting to know, you know, you're, you know, you're not alone. They're in the same boat that you are. Um, and of course there's, you know, professional resources that you could talk to as well, but just kind of somebody else that's, walking the same path is is huge yeah 
I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I mean, I started this podcast while Jeff is deployed because I was like, and it's COVID too. So I'm like, um, yes, I have a baby. And so my time sometimes is very limited, but I was like, I feel like I need to do something creative with my time and then also fun and also just something to fill the gaps. Have you dealt a lot with service members coming back home with PTSD? Um, not in this job for sure. Um, some in the past, but one thing that I, I have found that is very comforting to a lot of the active duty members is, you know, you see the kind of stereotypical things and movies or TV or you hear about or whatever that, you know, oh my gosh, my startle reflexes through the roof. And, you know, I sit with my, won't sit with my back to a door in the restaurant. I'm always scanning to make sure. And when they hear that, hey, that's just part of being a military person um but you know if it's not interfering with your life if you're not avoiding things and situations you know then it's not really something to worry about you're trained to be very vigilant you know that in itself you know or you've been exposed to loud startling things and you maybe startle more easily than other people do but again, if it's not interfering with your life, um, so a lot of times people do find that just like, oh, okay, well then I won't worry about it. And I guess, you know, for the to be post-traumatic stress disorder, there's a trauma. Mm-hmm. So some of it is like, is it actually a trauma or is it just your, you know, your duty? People having a response to trauma, you know, that anyone would be. So, I mean, even things that have nothing to do with the military, if you're in a bad car accident, it's going to be natural that, like, you're going to be apprehensive about getting in the car again. You'll have a period of time where you have a reaction to anything that reminds you. Um, You probably wouldn't be sleeping very well. You might have some nightmares. But if it's not sort of like reliving is as if you are actually there, you're not moving past it, um, those kind of things where it's entrenched. So a reaction to a trauma, everybody's going to have. That's um, natural. So it's kind of figuring out whether it's to the point if it's gone on long enough that you need to be concerned, um, how concerned is the person that's actually having whatever issues they're having how would how would I as like the the spouse know if like something was going on because I feel like sometimes maybe they could just go about their day like normal and you wouldn't even know but they they are going through some issues and maybe it is PTSD like how would I know what would be the things to look for or is it different with everybody no, I, and I, I think if it was getting to the point where it was kind of going from post-traumatic stress to post-traumatic stress disorder, mm. then you would know. They, you know they, so those are two different things. Yeah. Oh, okay. They also talk about, you know, post-traumatic growth too. I mean, sometimes people will, you know, have gone through something and they end up, you know, there being positive things that come out of it too. But it, I think sometimes the media makes it seem like everybody who goes 
deploys in a combat type situation is going to come back, um, you know, changed, damaged, yeah, having PTSD, and that's we have definitely not found that to be the case. Um, you know, a lot of people they're very enthusiastic about the mission that they do. They mm -hmm. proud of what they do. They have had experiences that they would consider to be traumatic. So again, even if they don't necessarily have the same kind of reactions that everybody in civilian life does, it's not a disorder or a problem. Okay. Okay. Um, what, a what can the spouse who stays home, what can he or she do? What is like the best thing that they can do to support the service member? I think anything that you're doing that lets the service member know that, you know, you're there for them, you're proud of them, you respect what they do. Um, you know, you're grateful for their service and hopefully they're also given back to you because you're, you're having service also, um, you know, that, that you both are in it together. You're happy with your choices. And I mean, you know, it's not always going to be rainbows, but I think that just overall that, you know, Hey, we're in this together. We, we chose this lifestyle. We're, happy to support each other. And, you know, sometimes one member of the couple is going to kind of be giving a little bit more and then, you know, it'll switch. Um, and that, I think that is kind of, you know, a tricky part in the marriage sometimes that deployments can bring up is that the person that's left at home sometimes is like, Hey, you know, I'm left with all of this work to do and I'm having to do everything. Um, whereas the service members like, Hey, I'm out here, you know, put my life on the line. What you were talking about with, um, feeling like I, I did sign up for this. And I know when I met Jeff, he was like, I'm, I'm going to be really busy. And so if you're okay with that, like, let's date, <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. I don't know what busy means, you know? And and now I'm like, okay, like this is, this is him being busy. I get it now, but I, I did sign up for this, but you don't really actually know like what you signed up for. And so sometimes it's really easy to feel like, like, what about me? Where if there hasn't been that shift yet, where it's like, I always say, like, I felt in the beginning of the years, like I was like in Jeff's shadow. It was all about him, which again, I signed up for and I was completely fine with, but there were, there were times that I was like, what about me? Like we're moving from state to state to state. Um, we don't really get to make decisions about many decisions about what we want to do or where we want to live. And I don't, I have a college degree and I'm not doing anything with it, you know? And so I was for a lot of the time really upset with that and not really, I didn't really have negative feelings towards Jeff because it's not his fault. And again, I did sign up for this life. If a, if a spouse is feeling that way, because I know a lot of them do like, you know, what about me? When is my time coming? Or, you know, you're deployed all the time and I have to be at home with the kids and you don't have to deal with all the bills and whatever. How can, how can we as spouses at home kind of like shift our mindset about that and not have maybe such a negative outlook on deployments or TDYs and us being at home and them being gone and it not being our time yet? You know, one thing that kind of positive psychology that, which in the beginning psychology, like all the other mental health professions kind of started out as a, let's look at broken or disturbed people 
and see what we can do to fix them and make them better. Mm -hmm. Over the years, it's shifted to a lot of, let's look at people who are doing well and who, you know, have a happy life, basically. What are they doing? How can we look at making people happier and, and more look at the positive side. So one of the biggest things that positive psychology research has found that consistently like across time and across cultures, people who are the happiest are the most grateful. Um, so people having a like a gratitude practice of some time. So I like the attitude of gratitude phrase um, and that is part of it, but like deliberately having a practice where you look at like, you know, at the end of the day, you write down five good things that happened that day, things that you were grateful for. Just that mental practice, and it's, it is like anything else. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go to a gym once and say, oh, I had a great workout, now I never have to do it again. Mm-hmm. Anything that, you know, you, you have to do it over and over. But any time you can strengthen your muscle of being able to reframe and flip the flip it on its head and be like, you know, go from, well, this sucks that I'm here by myself to, well, I'm grateful that I have a chance to have some alone time and be able to do, you know, things that I might would want to do and that I wouldn't do if, you know, they were here with me right now. Right. So just kind of, that's one, one big thing that I would suggest people try. I started doing that when we lived in New Mexico. Um, cause we got, I got to a point where I was like eating really bad food, drinking all the time, hanging out with really horrible people. And Jeff and I were like on the verge of divorce. And I was like, I need to figure this out. So it started with exercise. I just started with an exercise routine and I started with, um, with a beach body workout because it seemed the most simple. I just like popped a DVD in and they had like a meal plan for me to follow and, and they told me what to do. So I was like, sweet. So I did that and um, I didn't drink for 21 days and I felt amazing. And then I was like, cool. Like now what? Like I feel good. What else can I do to feel better? And um, so then I started reading, reading personal development books (laughs) and I thought it was stupid in the beginning because I'm like, I mean, yeah, I feel like everybody needs help, but like, I don't need to read these books. And then I started reading these books and I was like, this stuff's actually really cool. And it made me more self-aware of maybe the things I needed to work on. And, um, and then I started meditating. And then I started writing a gratitude list every morning. And so it kind of just like I built, built on it from exercise um, and the meditation and the, um, and the gratitude list just really helped. And every morning I tried to find something different that I was grateful for, no matter how small. So I tried not to double up. I mean, almost every day I'm like, I'm grateful for Jeff, like, <laughs> duh, you know, but, but I tried to just be grateful about the smallest things. My neighbor smiled at me when I was walking this morning, or I'm grateful that I have the means to like, make my yard nice or something like that, or that I drank, um, a warm cup of coffee and it wasn't cold, (laughs) you know, just, and then, and there's just like something that happens where you're like, even the smallest things, you, you just become 
happier. And, and like you said, you have to do it every day. You can't just do it um, for a week and expect change. I think I probably did it for like a year until it became a habit and it's simple and free. So are there um, just some resources off the top of your head that could help with the deployments um, with spouses or, or maybe if people are just feeling a little negative and need a little bit, um, need a little bit of positivity in their life? Yeah, the, I mean, there's tons of stuff, kind of military specific. Um, military One Source really just has a ton of stuff, including, you know, there's free stuff that they'll send you, but also just like things to read that you can access counselors through there. The POTIF website, the Preservation of the Force and Family website, has a lot of um, good things on it as well. So even if somebody was not in a special operations, I mean, anybody can Google it and look at the stuff. Oh, okay. There's a lot of good things on there. Um, there's apps for, you mentioned meditation, the Headspace app, YouTube videos, I mean, there's just lots of free resources. What is um, just your biggest suggestion for them going through this military life? Um, I know for me, I always think even with having a baby, I'm like, this is only temporary. And also recently just kind of trying to look at military life through the lens of like a curiosity lens. Um, what can I learn here? What exciting, what, what exciting things can I learn during this time? And um, so, so what would be your biggest suggestion for, for a military wife? I think, you know, kind of what you're, you're saying is that approach it like most things with a sense of curiosity, kind of gentleness for yourself and for your partner. Um, what can I learn? And I find it useful to like kind of think about time going back and forth, kind of like looking back on your life, you know, imagining yourself as an older person looking back on your life, mm -hmm. you know, what's your, what's your story? What's your path? What would you tell yourself as an older person? Yeah. And, you know, your, your family's going through something unique that, I mean, we're so used to it that we don't think about the fact that only like 1% of the U S population is, you know, military. Wow. Um, so we've got this, cool culture, this cool experience, you know, how is it shaping me? How is it making me who I am? How is it making my family who they are? Um, and kind of, I think when you think about in, including in terms of with kids, you know, what do you ultimately want? You know, you want them to be independent, happy, successful, um, you know, your family to continue to be tight knit even as they grow up and they have their kids and you have grandkids or whatever. So you kind of it, when you think about it in terms of what you want as the end result can help you shape like, well, what do I need to be kind of doing or being now to get there? That was my last question. Um, I really appreciate you coming onto the podcast. Appreciate you uh, giving me the chance to come on here and um, always happy to talk to military families. I didn't know that military families were like 1% of the population. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? That's cool that I can say I'm a one percenter. <laughs>
Thank you so much for spending time with me today on the Growing Pains podcast. If you vibed with this episode or think it might add value to someone you know, please share it with them. Like legit, go send it to them right now or post it on social media and tag me. I am so damn grateful for you and I appreciate being on this journey with you. Talk to you later. Bye.